It is good to see you. It's good to be here. For those of you watching online, hello to you as well. My name's Andy, and I'm just, this has been a good place to be so far, hadn't it? We want to say yes to that. How was worship today? Was it good? Yes, it was a good place to be so far. Yeah, I always want to remind us of that. I always want to remind us of that because, you know, I don't know if you think about it, but man, we come in with so many things going on in our lives. We come in with so much stuff happening. And I just love the fact when I think about this is that no matter what we get to come in, that that we come with all this stuff, but we get to give it to God together. We get to come together. We give it to God because we know that God is good, that he is here, that Jesus saves, and that God gives us everything we need. And that's what we get to do when we come together. Isn't that a good thing to know, everybody? Come on now. It's a good thing to know. I'm just so grateful that we could do that together. Yeah, it's a good place to be. Uh, We need this. We need this. For those of you watching online and you live around here, man, we can't wait for you to get here with us because of that. We just, and if you're way far away, then, you know, maybe you can fly in a plane and visit us. We just love that you're watching, taking advantage of that wherever you are. Hey, if you are just joining us, this week is a good time to be here. We are in the second week of a five-week series where we are looking at one book of the Bible. And and the book that we're looking at together is the book of 2 Timothy. Uh, And it's been really good so far. And we're looking at this book of the Bible through the lens of this idea that we are not just put here on this earth just to get by. That God has greater plans for every single one of us who are Jesus followers, that there's believers in God and followers of Christ. God has way more plan for us than just to get by, that we have a part to play in this life down here before we get to spend eternity with God up there. And so we've been calling this series Level Up because it's time to advance. It's time to advance in my faith. It's time to get moving in who God called me to be in Christ. And that's what we're doing. And we're having a little fun with that title of Level Up. I mean, for me, that idea of Level Up, it just takes me back to being a it takes me back to playing those video games. And I got to be honest with you, last week uh, after the message and in between services, when I was in the lobby talking to you all, uh, I was watching people playing the Nintendo out there in the lobby. I was watching them play Mario and I was getting a little twitch. I'm just, I, my carpal tunnel was coming back. I just wanted to play. I just didn't want to talk to you guys. I just wanted to play the game. Uh, so I had a little twitch going on. I had the ticks. Uh, but uh, that game... That game never really sucked me in. It was a game that I played, but, but there was one game when I was a kid that was the most addicting game on the entire planet. It turned most people into wide-eyed zombies and, and more than any other game. And so I'm gonna give you a little taste of it to see if you can remember what this game is. Anybody? Anybody? Tetris. It's Tetris. Like... Yes, there it is. There it is. Now, I had Tetris when, when I was growing up, man, Tetris. You're going to be singing that the rest of the day. You're welcome. Uh, but you're going to be like, what is my doing? So, but when I was a kid, I played Tetris on Game Boy. Anybody have a Game Boy growing up? Man, I played that. And that was the first time I remember as a kid fighting with my parents over playing time. Not my playing time, their playing time. They played it all the time. I was like, can, mom, can I please have the game? And it was just because it sucked you all in. It just, and it was sucked you in to get line after line after line after line. And then that, that stupid song. It's just like that song is gonna be in our brains for the rest of the day, right? So you're welcome about that. Um, hey, I'm really looking forward. I'm really looking forward to what God has to show us today because we're not talking about video games. That's not what we're talking about. Uh, and I think as, as I've been going through this week, especially this message today, uh, I hope that God shows you and reels you just as much as he did to me, uh, if you're here in a follower of Christ. And that, and that means, here's what that means when I say that. That means if you're here and, and you're not, you're still trying to figure out who God is, you're still trying to figure out how God works, that, that this message isn't for you. Um, because here's what I know, based on how we do church, there, there are quite a few in here that that's where you are, that, that you really don't know how God fits in, that you're, you're here and you're trying to figure out, uh, does God really work and, and is there uh, a difference that Jesus can make in my life? And here's what I'm gonna tell you, I'm here to tell you right now, absolutely yes, he can make a difference in your life. 
And here's what I'm gonna tell you beyond that. Here's what we believe for you if you're here. We believe that he doesn't just make a difference, that he is the whole entire point of the value and purpose that you're here for this, on this earth for, okay? We believe that. And here's what I'm gonna tell you. Until the day that you come to understand who Jesus is and that, that you come to, to an understanding of him being your Lord and Savior, we wanna say you are welcome in this place. You are loved. And until you get, like, we just want you to be here. We're just so glad you're here, right, everybody? We're just so glad that you're here today because we just want you to hear the good news of Jesus. You're welcome in this place. It's why we play games like Tetris in the, in the lobby. It's why we let you bring coffee and donuts in here. It's why we do goofy things from time to time. And it's why I get to talk to some of us who are a little tight, just a little tight to loosen up, loosen up because like, it's just a Tetris game. It's not Satan, all right? Like it's all in the name of Jesus and for you, it's for you. Like I fight for you if you're here because man, here all I want is I want you to come to a saving decision in, in what Jesus Christ did for your life. And all that matters. It all has to do with Jesus. We're just glad you're here figuring out what we know is so true about him. We're just glad that you're here. But, but this is an important series for those of us who are Christians. And I'm telling you, this is an important series for us as a church. Uh, I talked about this uh, over the last few weeks. We're at a time as a church that's really critical, I believe. And I think that God is showing and revealing himself to us in, in a lot of ways. And, and we can't feel like when we look around, like, hey man, we've arrived and, and, and we're doing exactly, man, we just, here's what I love about this church. This is what I love about this church. This is what I love, um, uh, what it makes so exciting for me is that, that we're a group of people collectively. We are just a group of people who believe that we can't keep in who Jesus is here, that we gotta get out there with what Jesus is. We just gotta get out there. And, and so we gotta keep moving. We gotta keep going with what Jesus is telling us to do, with what God is telling us to do in here so we can go out there in the name of Jesus Christ. And, and it was, it's what gets me excited about what we're doing here in a few weeks where we're gonna be launching this week of prayer as a church. I wanna invite every single one of you to join in on this on October 14th. It's gonna be a big deal because I don't, here, here's the, why, I'm gonna, why I keep telling you this because I feel like when I'm saying it and I'm tired of saying it, that's when you guys are first getting it, okay? But I'm telling you, I don't want prayer to be a part of who we are as a church. I want it to be central. I want it to be like what we're doing is we're going to God and we're asking him to show us and reveal some things. So on October 14th, we're gonna go into this week of prayer. It's gonna be Monday through Friday. Every day we're gonna be doing a Facebook Live at 6.33 to like kind of give you the prayer that we're gonna be doing. You're gonna be able to see my mug every morning. How about that? You're welcome to that. There we go. Like I got a clap last time. I'm like, wow, that's awesome. Come to my house and like clap for me wherever I go. That's great. Um, but man, we're excited. We're excited about God and, and what he wants to show us. So man, I'm hoping you're ready for that. I hope you're ready for that week of prayer because I am and I want to get to it. So let's get to this. So uh, go ahead if you haven't already, grab your Bibles and go to 2 Timothy chapter 2. I hope you're reading this. Uh, I hope you've grabbed one of those study guides out there. Uh, how many of you, by show of hands, how many of you actually grabbed a study guide out there last week? How many of you did that? Man, that's great. We, had, we gave, I think we gave around 600 of those away last week and we have a couple hundred more. So if you're here and you didn't get one, we got those for you. Grab one, grab a few. Man, get in there, read it, give it to your coworkers, give it to somebody else, study it together, write stuff down. I believe God will bless you if you do that. So don't leave here without getting one if you didn't get one last week. And, and I just really believe one of the things when we do a book of the Bible together is you gotta become a self-feeder. Like I think God wants you to be a self-feeder. Read for yourself, see what God shows you. There's so many things we're not gonna be able to cover up here on a Sunday that I think he wants to reveal to you as you read it for yourself, okay? So just make sure you grab one if you haven't. So we opened up last week uh, with a little bit of background on this letter uh, of 2 Timothy that we found out that it was written by an older church leader. His name was Paul. He was like the preeminent leader of the Christian church and he was writing it uh, to a leader in this church at Ephesus and his name was Timothy. 
Timothy. Uh, and so I thought what we would do is, is you kind of give me a little background last week, but this week I want to kind of show where we are, maybe to get our bearings on where we are. So here's Italy. Uh, and so over here, this is Jerusalem. So this is where Jesus primarily was. This is where Jesus did all of his ministry right there uh, and where he spent a lot of his time. And, and so if you look at all this map and you see all that text right there, this is really, that's every place that Paul went. And, I made, and there was no cars. Like, I'm just saying, that was a man, no airplanes or anything like that. He just went to, it's just amazing to see. So here's Ephesus right here. This is where Timothy was uh, in Ephesus. Uh, and so this is modern day Turkey. And then all the way over here, right here in this top corner, this is where Paul was in Rome. He was in prison in Rome, writing this letter to Timothy, who was in Ephesus. And so it just might help you get your bearings on where we are. So just a little bit else about it. So Timothy was in his mid to late 30s. That's what a lot of scholars think, that, that he was with Paul for a good bit of time before this. He was probably with Paul between 10 and 15 years doing ministry. He was, he was doing church stuff. He was appointed to lead this church in Ephesus and he's been faithful. He's been serving God. But, but here's, here's what we're gonna find out, that there are things going on. There are things going on in Ephesus. There are things going on. There are circumstances happening in the church where Timothy is a little worn down. He's a little tired. He, he's a little uh, weary. It has not all been easy for Timothy. And you know, I, I know for a lot of you here, that's your reality too. You know, I've been, I've been living this life with God. I've been living out my faith as best as I can, Andy, but I'm telling you, life's getting away and I'm a little weary. Like it's a little, I'm a little, I'm a little worn out with life going on. I'm a little weary right now. And what Paul does here to Timothy and what he's gonna do to you and me is he's, he's encouraging Timothy just to remember a few things. He's like, man, I just want you to remember a few things about Jesus. I want you to remember a few things about your calling and about your mission, not just as a pastor, but just as a follower of Jesus Christ. So if you're here today, I wanna encourage you today. Paul has a word for you today. God has a word for you today. If you came in, you're like, I got a lot of life stuff going on. This is, this today is for you. I'm telling you right now, I believe God's gonna speak to a lot of people this morning. And so this is our encouragement too. The man, we gotta, we gotta start fighting the good fight. We gotta fight for God in our lives, no matter what's going on, that we can say what Paul was able to say at the end of this letter, what he was able to say at the end of his life. And I think what he wanted Timothy to say and what he wants us to say as well. And, and it's the central verse to this entire series. It's in 2 Timothy 4, 7, where he says, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. I don't know about you, gang, I said this last week, but that's what I wanna be able to say at the end of my life. Nothing else really matters to me. I, I wanna be able to say, man, I kept the faith. I fought hard. I fought for God no matter what happened. And, and here's what Paul was trying to tell us. This is what we need to kind of get on board with is that there's no future time for that to start happening in our lives. Like we're, to be able to say that, it, it can't happen when, when the, the waters of our life kind of hit a calm. That, that, that's never gonna happen. But it's, that Paul is saying, no, it starts now to be able to say, I've kept the faith in this one and only life that I, that I have to live with the opportunity that God gave me to live it. So it starts now, it starts today. Don't wait till tomorrow. And, and so here's what we're gonna do today. If you're taking notes, here's, here's what we're gonna be talking about. Uh, it's what we do when life does throw the kitchen sink at you. It's, it's what we do when things aren't going to plan. This is what Timothy's going through. This is what I know quite a few of you are going through right now. This is what a lot of us would probably say. And because of that, Paul is gonna encourage us today. It's, and it's how we can say at the end, I have kept the fate, I, I finished well. And here's what he's gonna say. This is what I gotta level up in today. I'm gonna level up in my spiritual endurance. I'm gonna level up and the endurance I need to have in my life. So here's what we need to know. This is what we need to know, everybody, about the Christian life. The Christian life, it's not a 100-yard dash. It's a marathon. It's a marathon. I don't know if, if in, in the marathon, here's what it takes. It takes endurance to run a marathon, doesn't it? 
don't know about you. I don't know if you've ever kind of engaged in something where you need a lot of endurance for. A marathon always comes to my mind uh, that you need a lot of endurance in, in order to run a marathon. But here's the thing about when you run distance races or something like that. You see, it's not the beginning that's very hard at all. Like everybody can start the race. It's, it's actually really great when you start a long distance race. They always, they have people that hype you up. There are people clapping for you. It's really great. You're like, I could do this forever. I mean, you just feel really great. Your endorphins are all uh, jetted up there and people are like, you could do it, you know? And so you're running the first mile. You're like, I could probably run forever. It's amazing. And then you get to mile five and, and then you get to mile 10 and you're like, I could probably get a taxi and no one would know. Like I, that's where you're at at mile 10. You're like, no one would know. I just drop them off the finish line because it's the middle. It's the middle that's really hard. It's not the beginning. It's not even the end. It's not even the last few miles because when you get to the last few miles, you can see the end coming. You can see those claps coming, but it's the middle that's really the test. That's where the test is. It's where you're, you know, in the middle of the race where you're thirsty, but you know you shouldn't drink because you'll probably throw up. Like that's what's going on in the middle. It's where you've been doing this so long. You got like this, this friction thing going on there. You're like, what is that? And every time it just, it just like daggers in your side. It's like, where did that come from? And here's what I'm going to tell you. This is why I'm going to, this is what I want you to have in your brain. See, it's the middle, everybody. It's the middle for every single one of us. That's called life. That's life. It's the middle. That's our life. That's what we're living. Uh, there's a guy that someone once said this about life. This, I love this because it kind of helps me. He, he said, before birth and after death, it's pretty good. In the middle is where it's complicated. That's what he says. Everybody, that's what's so true, isn't it? Come on now. And here's what I'm going to tell you. If you're here and you're a follower of Christ, it's no difference in the Christian life. I think so many of us bought in this idea and I don't know where we get it from this like, you know, once I become a Christian, everything's gonna be easy. Everything's gonna be rainbows and butterflies. And, and I'm telling you, if you believe that, you haven't seen what Jesus said about how you're supposed to be living your life. You haven't seen what Jesus said is gonna come for those of us who have a faith in him, a saving faith. Life's gonna hit us, circumstances, loss, hardships will come. They're gonna be there. And the question gang that we all have to answer is how are you gonna deal with it? Not is it gonna come, it's how are you gonna deal with it? And here's the great news about this letter we're looking at together. See, Paul knows this. He, he's, he's gone through hardships in his life. He's been through the ringer. He's learned some things on how to walk with God through hard times. And here's what he's doing. He's imparting this to Timothy. He's trying to say, listen, I know what you're going through and I wanna encourage you. And he's saying the same thing to us. And here's what I'm gonna tell you this morning. If you could claim this, if you could claim this and live this out, listen to me, it's not gonna change what'll happen to you, but it will absolutely change your view of what life's all about. I believe it. If you can live this out, it won't change what's coming, but it's gonna absolutely change your view of every single thing and when it comes to your life, all right? So let's get to it. Chapter two, if you made your way there, let's pick this up in verse one. Here's what Paul says, and I love how he starts this chapter because he says, you then, you, you. It's just so personal. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So the first thing that you need to know if you're gonna get through life and come out the other end saying, man, I've kept the faith that you have to be a strong person. You have to be a strong person. That's the truth. That's what he's saying. You gotta be strong to deal with the stuff that's gonna come to your life. That you, that you gotta be strong to deal with the circumstances. You have to be strong in your resolve when hardships come. You have to be strong to get closer to God and make some real progress in your life when life hits. Here's what it's saying, man. If you're not strong, life's gonna eat you up. That's just what he's saying. So you gotta be strong. Be strong. Now here's the good news that we need to know as we hear this message of like, you gotta be strong. You gotta be strong to endure this life. See, Paul doesn't just tell Timothy, hey, be strong and pick yourself up by your bootstraps. No, he doesn't say, hey, be strong, Timothy, because your name's Timothy. I know who you are. You gotta be strong because of who I know you are. See, no, that's not it either. If Timothy was gonna endure, 
If Timmy's gonna be on the other end saying, man, I fought the good fight, I've kept the faith. It's not because of anything that Timothy could do. It's what Paul says. He goes, no, be strong in grace. Be strong in grace. If you're taking notes, here's how endurance begins and here's how it ends. It all has to do with grace. Endurance begins with grace. It begins with grace. It doesn't have to do with you. It doesn't have anything to do with it. So you need your strength, your endurance has everything to do with God's grace. Here's something you need to know. Here's like, I really think we need to catch this. You see, your ability right now as you sit as a follower of Christ, your ability to get through life isn't depending on how long you've been a Christian. It doesn't have anything to do with how much of the Bible you know. It doesn't even have anything to do with all the ministry that you've done. It solely has to do with the grace that God gives you. And here's the great news with all of us about grace is that we all have this equal amount of it and we all can't get to God without it. And, that it's, and when we sit in this and we understand, I'm telling you, strength comes from understanding grace. It all starts with grace, everybody. That's the secret sauce. If you don't know what grace is, I'm just gonna really quickly, grace is God's unmerited favor. That's what grace is. It's, it's God's unmerited favor. Grace, grace means this. Grace means that God freely gave us eternal life not because of who we are or anything that we did. In fact, he actually gives us grace in spite of who we are and what we've done that he didn't see. Here's what's so important to understand. He didn't see any better version of you in the future say, that's where I'm really gonna give you eternal life because man, I know you're gonna be better uh, in a couple of years. He, he didn't look at that and say, there's, any, there's no future version of you that's actually gonna get there. And he didn't give it to you like that because there's one day you're gonna deserve this. No, no, he freely gives it to you. He gave you grace. He gave you Jesus so you, could get to him. And gang, listen to me, that's the only way that works. The only way that could ever work is that it's free because you can never earn it yourself. It's amazing, this grace. And when you can sit in that, um, this is key, I'm telling you right now, if you could just sit in that, strength comes from that knowledge that you believe God is so for you, that, that he's not looking at a future version of you, that he's so for you that you have the strength to get through, not around or not avoid, that you, because of his grace, you have the strength to get through anything that comes. So here's the way, just write this down. God's grace is the building block of my endurance. It's the building block of the endurance that God wants me to have. Grace is what the building block is. Not what I do, not where I've come from, not how much ministry I've done, not how long I've been a Christian. When you start with God's grace, you're, here's what you're gonna find. You're gonna find when you start to just sit in that grace that that's the strength that endurance feeds on. Endurance feeds on grace to get you strong. That's what he's saying. Great first verse. Okay, so Paul keeps going. And he says in verse two, and what you've learned and what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust the faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So, so Paul continues in this encouragement to have endurance. He continues in this way and he says this to Timothy. He says, hey, listen, here's what you need to be able to do. You have got to teach God's truth and what God's done in your life to other people. That's what he says. You gotta teach God's truth and what God's done in your life to others. And here's what I'm gonna tell you. See, he's not just saying this to Timothy. He's saying this to you. I want you to realize, because I have to realize this too in my life. You see, one of the greatest things, one of the greatest things that you might ever be able to do in your life is to pour into somebody who will pour into somebody else. You, th you think about that. Like one of the greatest things you can ever do, you never know when you pour into somebody what they're gonna be able to do in the name of Jesus Christ. So the greatest thing that you could ever do is pass on God's wisdom and God's truth, not all of it, just what God's done to you to pour into somebody who could pour into somebody else. So I wanna tell you something right now because I think you need encouragement here. You're a leader. You hear me? In Christ, 
God made you to be able to do this to somebody else. You're made to influence leaders. You're made to influence others. You're a leader. I feel like I have to tell you this because I think like when we look at this, I think a lot of Christians kind of get this teaching other things really kind of bonkers. Like what we do is we elevate this teaching other things to, to this, such this high thing that we look at and we're like, I can't do that. That's not what I could do. I can't teach anybody because I look at my life. And so we elevate it so high. Or the other thing that we do about teaching others is you look at someone like me and you say, well, that's what Andy does and I'm gonna let him do it so I don't have to do it. That's not how God set this thing up. That's not what he wants for your life. And here's what I'm gonna tell you. Listen, it's God's design. It's God's desire for your life because of the grace you've been given and what you've gone through to lead someone out of something or to God. That's up to you. Like that's something that Paul wants you to do and that's for every one of us to do. And I, I know some of you are here and you don't picture yourself like that. Picture yourself like that. That's what God wants for your life because you need to think about this. I, I, I think about this all the time. It's easy for me to think about. Um, have you ever considered, just considered as you sit there and I need you so much in my life, that's what I said last week, but have you ever considered that I'm not the best teacher when it comes to certain things? I gotta tell you, I think about that all the time, all the time. Like I am not the best teacher when it comes to all these things. Like I'm up here, I'm teaching God's word, I'm communicating God's word. I'm just using the gifts, that's what I talked about last week. I'm just using the gifts that God's given to me, that he's entrusted to me, that he's deposited in me. I'm just doing that in obedience and faith in him. And, but that doesn't mean I'm an expert at all things, you understand? Like again, we just elevate people so high, I'm not an expert. And here's the truth, this is why I wanna tell you. This is the truth, I want this to just rest in you for a second. I'm not the expert in a lot of areas, and the fact is, you are. You are. You're the expert that I'm looking for, that somebody needs in the name of Jesus Christ. I'm not, because the fact is, I haven't lived your life. You hear me? I haven't gone through the things that you've gone through for God to use that exact thing in your life, that exact thing that you're not sure God could ever use it. That's the exact thing that God could use to not only better learn from it, but also to be able to use it to teach God's wisdom from it to somebody else. And here's what it takes. It takes endurance to understand that. So this is the second point about endurance. It's so important. It's that endurance understands everything is useful in my life. Everything, everything is useful. See what this saying, everybody? Your whole life matters. Your whole life matters. Not, not just the good things, it's everything. And here's what I'm gonna tell you. I just want you to think about this. Some of your deepest scars are most able to minister to others that I'll never be able to do. Like some of the things that you are looking at and you're like, there's no way. Those are the things that God will use that I'll never be able to let God use. And that's gonna help us understand. This is why I wanna endure through the things that happen. I don't wanna avoid them. I don't wanna go after them, but I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna embrace them because there's a bigger picture going on. Have a spiritual endurance where you get to the end and say, man, I've kept the faith. It's knowing and it's living out this idea that I will never ever waste a hardship that comes. I'm never gonna waste one thing. I'm not gonna let that happen. Unfortunately, everybody, we do that all the time. We just, we just let things go away and we don't let God use them and then we get bitter and we get, right? We just get all these things when God's like, no, I wanna use everything. Your whole life matters. And God, because God through those circumstances, he'll make you wise. And then when he makes you wise, you learn something. And when you learn something, whether you believe it or not right now, he wants you to teach somebody. That's something that you learned in the God's wisdom that he gave. That's just what he, how he set it up. You could teach someone. And, and teaching looks a lot different with, for, for people. It, it doesn't just look like this. Teaching looks like one-on-one -on -one with somebody over coffee. 
that you want to pour into. It looks like seeing your kids, seeing your kids is that avenue of teaching. Man, I'm telling you, if you got kids, you don't have to look past your kids to say, that's what I want to impart God's wisdom to you. It looks like leading a ridge group. That's what it looks like teaching others. It's all kinds of different ways. So hear me in this. Just hear me in this and we'll move on to the next point. In more areas than you think right now, you're the expert I'll never be that someone needs in order to find the answer of faith or find God in their life and that will help them in their journey. You're the answer. You're the expert, not me. There isn't one thing in your life that God can't use. You hear me? There's not one thing that God can't use. So don't hold that back. We go through so much, don't we? And this is maybe, maybe this will give you some comfort today if you're here and you're wondering, man, am I the only one going through this junk? Am I the only one going through this life? Like I came to accept Jesus for my Savior. And what, no, no, it, it, we go through this. And, and I'm telling you, man, God doesn't want that. He doesn't cause that. But listen, God wants to use it. He wants to use it in big ways. He wants to use it for your greater good and his greater glory. And so we gotta let him. God doesn't want to waste one thing in your life and your mission should be on that journey with God. Your whole life matters. And endurance, he's the bigger picture. So, so that's the second part. So Paul goes on. And, and what he does uh, in the next four verses, it, it was the most useful for me when I come to think about endurance and what that looks for my life. Because in the next four verses, what Paul does, is he actually gives us a picture uh, through three people of what endurance really looks like. So he, he gives a personality to what spiritual endurance really looks like. And that's helpful for me because then what we get to do is we get to look at ourselves and line up with these people that he describes to say, all right, how does endurance supposed to look like? Here's what he's gonna say. Uh, and this is the third point because endurance does have a personality to aim for. So if you take, that's the third thing. It does have a personality to aim for and look like in our own lives. So uh, I'm just going to outline these. I don't have time to teach all the way through them. Uh, so when you get to this in your reading guides, I mean, I really want you to sit in this and, and, and listen and, and really think about these and let them speak to you. So let's look at the first personality uh, of endurance that, that Paul gives us here. And it's in verse three. Here's what he says. He says, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. So the first personality that Paul describes is the personality of a soldier. What's the personality of a soldier? Here's the personality of a soldier. A soldier lives a dedicated life. That's the personality that Paul wants you to understand about what endurance, that you live a dedicated life, that there is, for a soldier, there is an unentangled commitment that a soldier has to a superior officer. Like that's what happens. He's locked in to listen. He's locked in to execute. A, a soldier follows order. A soldier doesn't quit. And, and so I think what happens is, is with us is instead of having a singular focus, this is what happens to so many of us. One of the key uh, things to think about as a soldier is he has a single track mind to who his commanding officer is at all times and he doesn't change. And I think what happens so often in our uh, lives, everybody, and here's why I know this happens so often because it happens to me too, is that what we do is instead of focusing on one thing singularly, we actually put our focus on other things and then our commanding officer changes. You know what happens when we actually focus on different things and when our commanding officers change, then our orders get all mixed up. You follow me? Like our orders get all mixed up based on what I'm actually focusing on at that moment in time. And that's not what a soldier does. That's what we gotta catch in this person. A soldier goes, no, no, I'm, I'm not messing with that. I'm not messing with civilian pursuits. I'm just focused on God. I'm just gonna let God tell me my marching orders no matter what comes my way. That's the biggest key when it it comes to this personality because here's what I'm going to tell you right now do you, do you know what the biggest problem with your problems are the biggest problem with your problems is that you're focusing too much on your problems you hear what I'm saying like that's the biggest problem 
And when you do that, what your commanding order or your commanding officer becomes that problem when you're focused on it, instead of focusing on God saying, all right, that's it. I'm gonna let him tell me what to do with this. I'm gonna look at it, instead of looking over here and going, I don't know what to do, I don't know what to do. It's the biggest difference that, that God makes in this personality of an enduring life that we have with God. So, so here's what I wanna tell you. When you keep your focus on God, then your orders won't change. It doesn't, they, they'll never change. Like it doesn't change when it comes to your boss or your problems or your spouse or your family, that all those will be dictated by your commanding officer, God, when you keep your focus on him. So here's a question I wanna ask. Just a question. When you go through, look through your life, how often am I changing who my commanding officer is in my life? Like how often am I, am I letting my finances, my status, my, my problems, my, take that spot? There's a singular focus that's a key to having this endurance with God. So Paul says, all right, there's that one personality. Let's get to the next personality. Verse five, he says, an athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. So the second personality that Paul gets into is he says, I'm gonna tell you that there's something about an athlete when it comes to having endurance with God. And here's the personality of an athlete. It's living a disciplined life that an athlete lives a disciplined life. I'm gonna train myself. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get all the knowledge of the rules. I'm gonna know every single thing about the rules so I know how to compete in this world. I'm gonna get everything lined up so that I can prioritize God in my life. It takes a disciplined life to do that and that's how you can get to having an enduring life where you get at the end, you can say, man, I've, I've fought the fight. I've lived the faith. I love this one because I like athletes. I like sports, right? I don't know if, if you're out there and you like sports. I love watching great athletes. I just, it's amazing to watch what they can do. Uh, and so there are people that I follow that are especially growing up. There are people that I emulated and wanted to follow. Like the really, and the really good ones, if you think about the really, really great athletes, here's, here's what we understand. Like, yes, some of them are probably naturally gifted, but I'm gonna tell you, not one single great athlete just gets great by accident. You know that, right? Like not one great athlete, they, they just don't fall into that by accident that they prepare, they, they train. And, and sometimes what we get to see is we just see the finished product a lot of times in the games. We, we just see like that shiny, polished, you know, thing at the end. And here's what I, I wish we just saw with the great athletes, the practice after practice, after practice, after practice that they do. And see, this is what Paul's getting. Man, are you catching some of this? This is really good stuff that Paul's teaches, isn't it? Like that's what he's saying about your life. You hear me? That's what he's saying. Here's what I'm gonna tell you. You are not gonna get godly by accident, everybody. You hear me? You're not gonna get there. You're not gonna, I'm not gonna be able just to endure by default. Man, I hope you're catching this. Paul is really teaching here. I have to know the rules. I have to study God's word. I gotta know what I'm actually dealing with in this world and train every day to live differently, differently. That's what I'm gonna do. Here's, here's the key. If I wanna live a different life and if I wanna live the life, because this is what he says about that athlete. You know what that athlete gets? He gets a crown. Right, he gets, he gets something and, and if I wanna live and if I want the reward of faithfulness, then I've gotta train and I've gotta compete according to God's standards, not the world's. Not what the world says because, you know, I don't know, I don't know. Some of us gotta put ourselves in check a little bit. Like, I wanna tell you something about the world. Like a lot more of us actually go off what the world says. The world doesn't care about you. You know that, right? The world doesn't love you. I don't know why so many of us prioritize and line up our lives according to what the world says. The world doesn't care one bit about you. God loves you. He, he, just, he just wants the best for you. And so we, we like an athlete, we line up our lives. I say, I'm gonna be disciplined. I'm gonna, I'm gonna look through the lens of what God says and I'm gonna let everything else fall out of place with that. I'm just gonna let God tell me what. So, so God says, there's a second personality. Here's a third one. He gives one more. I love this. He's just like, all right, you got the next one? Here's the next one. He says, it's a hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. So here's the last personality of having an enduring faith that looks like a farmer. And what's the personality of a farmer? Well, he says, it's, I live a hardworking life. I live a hardworking life. 
I was reading commentary on this. This kind of helped me because I was thinking about the farmer. I, I never grew up on a farm. I know some of you did, but I know the work ethic of a farmer and it would just put me to death probably in one day. Uh, but that's what I love about it. But here's what he says. This is what this commentator said about, uh, about this one. Here's what he says about Christian life. He says, a lot of Christian work is hard, unexciting, and with no immediate impact. Well, sign me up right there. I'm just, you know what I mean? But that, that's why I think Paul is actually giving us his personality. Think about it. This is what he's saying about the farmer. Because here's what I'm gonna tell you about the Christian life. You probably found this out at one time or another in your life. A lot of the Christian life in this everyday being and living with God, a lot of times, like there's not a lot of inspiration every single minute of every single day. And here's what he's saying. Listen, the Christian life, it cannot be about doing things just when I'm inspired. You catching this? You, you can't be about that life. You can't, I'm only gonna do things for God just when I'm inspired. You can't operate on an emotional level with God where you're only gonna do something when you're really fired up or where you're really feeling guilty. Like that's just, that's, we gotta be in between there. We gotta, we gotta have something that's more sustaining than that. And here's what I'm gonna tell you. And I'm t a lot more people live their Christian life like this than we want to admit. Because here's what I'm gonna tell you. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with feeling guilty. I'm not saying that. Uh, but here's the thing. If I just operate and do things for God out of guilt, guess when I'm gonna stop doing that thing? When I stop feeling guilty. And it, you know, it's just what's gonna happen. I'm gonna stop when I stop feeling guilty. And then, hey, and you make me feel guilty again. And I get the guilt gun out. And I go, guilt, 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 guilt. And then you go back out until you stop feeling guilty. That's just not what God set you up to be. And on the other end, I'm telling you, it's the same thing. When you wait until you're just inspired to do something, those, for my life, those are too few and far between for me. They're just too few and far between. That's not a sustainable life. Paul says, no, no, you live like a farmer. It's a lot like being a farmer. Farmers don't punch a clock. Right? They don't punch a clock. They don't call in sick. They don't do the work when they just feel like it. They get up early, like really, really early. They get up super early. They get up early. They wake up early. They get up early and they plant seeds and they get the, they get the ground right. They, they do things with cows that I don't even understand. They do all kinds of stuff. And you know, what, you know what the good thing about a farmer is? It's really amazing. You know, a lot of times they don't really know what's coming until they're done. They don't know what's coming until they're done planting, until they're done working the ground. And then they wait for the fruit to come. And that Paul's saying, that's the key. You see, that's the key. He's saying, Paul, the person who sees fruit, the person who enjoys the first bit of that crop, you see, he operates on a more sustaining level than what guilt or what being inspired ever does. And he, you know what he goes back to? Grace. He goes back to grace, that you operate on a grace level. It all goes back to knowing and operating by grace, not guilt, not emotion. And here's why I'm gonna tell you why grace is so key to this whole thing today, because grace sustains. Grace keeps coming back. Grace motivates me to operate behind the scenes and not really care if someone sees it or not, because it's all about the grace God has given me and nothing else. It all goes back to grace. Love those personalities. Love those. So Paul keeps going and he tells Timothy, because I think that's what we need to do. He says, man, think about what I just said. Just think about it. For the Lord will give you understanding in everything. He says, just think about this. Let, let it sink in, Timothy. And I'm telling you, God's strength will come in. It'll come if you think about these things. And then he goes on to the next verse, which I love. He's just, I don't know why every time I read it, he says, remember Jesus Christ. I just, every time I read that, I, just, I don't know why. I love that part. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David as preached in my gospel. Last part. And most important, endurance always has Jesus in view. It always has Jesus in view. This is key. This is key. You know, in the, in the first 10 verses of chapter two here, Jesus is mentioned four times, four times. That's a trend in just 10 verses. He's saying, remember Jesus, remember Jesus. In order to endure to the end, to say, I fought the fight, I kept the faith in seasons that were hard and in seasons where I wanted to throw in the towel, I just, you believers can't lose sight of Jesus. Man, so can I just ask you, and, and 
this is at the risk of sounding really simple right now, but I just want to ask you something. Do you, do you know that Jesus is alive today? Do, do you? Do you really know that he's alive? I mean, and some of you are like, yeah, I know, I know, no. Do you know he's really alive? That he's alive, that he's coming back, that he's up there and he's, he's ready, that he's, he's alive. He's risen. He's living. So remember Jesus Christ. Remember Jesus is alive. That when you go through suffering, remember the suffering that Jesus went through. Remember he suffered and died. That, that when you're weary, remember the man of sorrows. Remember Jesus that suffered much for you. Remember Jesus that, that when your tank is empty, remember that the tomb is empty and that, that, that the throne is taken. Remember Jesus. Come on now. You gotta remember Jesus. Remember that that's where we have hope. That's where we know we can get through this life. You gotta remember Jesus. Yeah. And that's why Paul was saying it. I think so often when I come across a verse like that, I read right across it. I'm like, yeah, remember Jesus. And he's like, no, you gotta remember Jesus. So here's what we do. Here's what we do. Here's the marching orders we have by the grace of God that we remember Jesus, but we embrace our life. And here's what I wanna tell you, not just the good parts, but by the grace of God, embrace your whole life, knowing that God doesn't wanna waste a single second of what you're living in, living through and living for. You embrace your life, embrace your ups, embrace your downs, not because we're gonna grit our teeth through it, but because we know, we know that everything counts, everything matters for the glory of God and for the betterment of our lives. Because people who are on the other end of this life, I'm telling you right now, everybody, who are, who are on the other end say, man, I fought the fight. I, I fought for my faith. I, I lived my faith out and I endured it with God. See, they could say it because they knew their whole life mattered. And they, and they knew it all counted, that I'm actually on the other end and I can embrace my whole life. And here's how I can embrace my whole life. I embrace my whole life when I believe that God is trustworthy enough to strengthen me all the time, not just in the good times, but actually when the bad times come. And I will only be able to do that when I actually trust him enough to go through the hardships that come, not try to get around them and not try to actually hide from them. But I faithfully endure what life throws at me because I know God can be trusted. And that makes all the difference, I'm telling you, in the one and only life that we get to live by the grace of God that we go through this endurance that we need to have. Right, everybody? All right, let's pray. Let's ask God to help us this morning. I just want to take a second, not a long time. I just want you to think, just give you a minute to just think about these things. That's what Paul said. Just think about it. Think about this grace. Man. God, thank you for your grace. Your grace is amazing. It's never ending. It's not based on anything that we do to get it, that you just lavish it on us. We don't deserve one bit of it, but you give us this grace. Thank you for saving grace that you gave us in the name of Jesus, that, that we don't deserve to be with you, but you gave us Jesus in spite of who we are and what we've done, that we thank you for that saving grace that we have in our lives, where we can look to Jesus and say, man, I know I got God because of Jesus, not because of me, and that, that actually saves me. Thank you for sustaining grace, God that you give us something beyond just eternity. You also give us this, this life worth living, that, that your word, that your wisdom gives us this sustaining, enduring grace that we need, that our whole life matters. And I know for some of us in here this morning as we're praying, there's some things going on. There's some things going on and you're wondering, man, how does this fit in with living a godly life? How does this fit in with who God is? God doesn't wanna waste a single thing, not a single thing. And you gotta let God in on this and have hope where many, many people see darkness because of your grace, God, because of your grace, because of your grace. Help us to remember Jesus. 
Help us to remember who he is, remember what he went through, remember what he did for us, because that will give us the strength that we need to lean in on your grace and have endurance where we can say at the end, I have fought the fight, I've lived the faith. We love you, we need you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Hey, listen, that concludes our service today. If you did not grab one of those reading guys, make sure you go out there online. I didn't forget you. You can grab a PDF on there uh, right below the sermon series, but make sure you grab one of those and we'll see you next week for level three, all right? See you, everybody.